We're coming in hot with inspiring guests, witty banter, and colorful commentary for today's veterans and military community. This is the Tango Alpha Lima Podcast. They call me crazy because I'm facing all my giants. They try to scare me into thinking I can't fight it. They tell me I should never even think of trying. But that's just me. I'm going to live out in defiance. And welcome back to the Tango Alpha Lima experience. Your guides today are myself, Jeff Daly, and that young lady over there, Ashley Marie Gorbolja. Hello. Hello, fellow guide. Are we ready to take them? Take them on this journey? I am what some would refer to as a guide on, so I shall assist you on the play. Okay. okay. <laughs> I will guide you on all kinds of things. Oh, that's low hanging fruit. I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, we're going to keep our family rating status, our PG 13 at most. And we're going to move on with the show. Speaking of shows, there's been a big one out there, military base lately. Everybody loves it, right? Everybody, it's universally loved, right? Some would say dangerous. No? Dangerous? Yeah. Highway to the danger I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but come on. Now, you have to know that Classic. Tango Alpha Lima is innovative. <laughs> Ashley Marie Gorbulja just invented a new key that you can all sing in now. Uh, oh, it's a that's key that so never mean. existed until this moment. I'm actually not show. a bad singer. I want to redo. <laughs> Why don't you just tell us about the universal love? <laughs> All right, so this angry critic gave Top Gun Maverick just half a star. <laughs> this is for Military Times. Happy That's star. right. A happy star, half a star. Half Not star. a happy star, a half of a star. Okay. Half of a star. So since it landed full throttle in the theaters on May 27th, the long anticipated Top Gun Maverick has ranked in more, or excuse me, ranked in more than 40, 400 million dollars at the domestic box office making it the highest grossing movie of the year its score on rotten tomatoes is certified fresh at 97 percent on the tomato meter <laughs> it sits at 78 percent on the metric critic metric metacritic metacritic Metacritic. But a movie reviewer on Letterboxd named Brett was not impressed by the sequel to the 1986 cult classic. In fact, he was so bothered by the action of the film that he gave it half a star and wrote more than 700 words about how terrible he found the movie. <laughs> the article further quotes the reviewer. So this is from the reviewer. Even if one can ignore the rapidly bloodthirsty nature of this movie, it is still absolutely garbage, he writes. Top Gun Maverick is a 131-minute long advertisement for death, aggressively unoriginal, wildly irresponsible with its messaging, historically revisionist, and shamelessly jingoistic uh, words in the name of providing fellatio to arms dealers. What? <laughs> this is a masterwork of propaganda in defense of some of our nation's worst traits, and it's enormous and it's enormous success. I left the theater depressed and forlorn. Honestly, I have to say, overall, the word choices are quite. Look at you using your thesaurus. This <laughs> your thesaurus. Oh my god, words. <laughs> 
anyway, I guess he's lost that loving feeling. Yes, that's how the article that's how the article ended. They had no other words for I guess he's lost that loving feeling. Now, this brings up an important point for me. I hate watching I hate watching military movies with veterans. I do. They oh, will yeah. stop, look at the ribbons, say what's out of order, mention errors in uniform. Uh, I mean, I do. I hate watching it. Doctors don't watch doctor shows and go, I would never put an IV in that way. That's just not what they do. But veterans break down everything. I bet this guy's a veteran. Now, saying that, I'm going to be a hypocrite. There are some things when watching this movie that I actually liked. It's fun. It's roller coaster ride. I mean, it's not Shakespeare. Uh, it's it's th- these are the things that bothered me because in third grade I knew that I could never be a pilot in the military because I was prescribed glasses, and they had a guy in the cockpit with glasses on that touched me in a way. That I don't know if I could ever forgive the movie because my dreams were killed in third grade. And then there was somebody on that screen that defied the odds, fictionally, of course. Uh, they also had they also had a person who would never have made the the, the weight standards. Uh, just saying. And uh, Tom Cruise, his character, if he was in that long and didn't make Admiral. Number one, he's way beyond fighter pilot, <laughs> top level fighter pilot age. And number two, if he had been blocked from promotion that long, he would have been booted out. There's like, there's no way he would have been in that position. But I hypocrite enough. The fact is that it was a fun movie. I don't know how this guy broke it down to a half a star. I, I mean, I've seen half star movies. And <laughs> first of all, if you have a budget like this, it ain't a half star because you get one star just for it being pretty on the screen. You probably should get another star because of soundtrack and the sound. I mean, the worst Hollywood movies ever should get at least two full stars because they have the budget to make them look good and sound good. So I think, I think, I think somebody lost their uh, significant other to somebody who took them to see this movie and he's taking it out on the movie. Like, who stole your girlfriend there, son? Because this was a great movie. There, I said it. We should be back at Hollywood in the Siskel and Ebert setup so I can give it a, I can give it a thumbs up and give this reviewer a thumbs down. All right, go ahead. Remember, they can't no, see please. you. You have to speak. Please, please go on. No, no, I'm, I'm done. Just... I'm done. I'm done. I like you sure. It. I feel like you got some more left in you. Nope. Love it. I love the movie. I, I like, I love the movie a lot. Just some things that brought back some. Because I wanted to be a pilot and I couldn't. And then they showed me what it could have been like with glasses in the cockpit. I'm just saying they showed it to me and it made me sad, but I'm going to be okay. Now I'm gonna need I'm gonna need the Navy to take me on a, a fly along so I could get over it. I'm just putting it out there. I can't be space for us. I want to stay closer to Earth. But I, I I yep, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need to fly in a jet. Navy, if you're out there, I'll even go on Air Force One. Uh, yeah, there we go. 
So you have no movie review. You haven't just, seen it? I am just enjoying your commentary so very much. If I had to grade like your commentary, I'd give it four stars. <laughs> four? Yeah. Because I what? feel like you could still be a little bit more extra. I think I it's curse. full within your abilities. I didn't curse because we're family friendly. Okay. If you, if you don't have a movie, <laughs> you did see it, right? I did see it. Um, I thought the movie was really well done. There were just those few moments where... I appreciated a lot of the, the dialogue and uh, some of the, the callbacks to the, the original movie. Uh, so there were some really nice nods that I was like, oh, wow. So like I had watched the, um, was it 86, 1986 movie? Yeah. Uh, I had rewatched it before I went and saw it. Um, and yeah, I, I went and saw it at the um, Alamo Draft House Theater and I, ate chicken wings and enjoyed myself and watched watched the movie with bottomless popcorn like that's my jam so you're kind of biased so if i had chicken wings and bottomless popcorn at a place at the immediately house, gets a star like yeah, regardless that's another star, star. so Experience minimum three. star minimum, minimum three. three star movie <laughs> i don't know what's wrong with this guy um alphas um, write positive reviews please if you love the movie because we got to get we got to drown out this negativity. We don't have time for it in our lives. We just don't have time for it in our lives. All right. We're going to get that love and feeling back pretty soon after the break, because today we'll be joined by Syracuse University Vice Chancellor for Strategic Initiatives and Innovation, Dr. Mike Haney. Dr. Haney oversees the university's government and community engagement strategy, as well as defense and veteran connected programs and initiatives across the institution. In 2001, Dr. Haney founded Syracuse University's Institute for Veteran and Midran, oops, for Veterans and Military Families, IVMF, was the nation's first interdisciplinary institute created to inform and advance the policy, economic, and wellness concerns of America's veterans and family. Before beginning his academic career at Syracuse University, Haney served for 14 years as an officer in the United States Air Force. We're going to be back with Dr. Haney, or as I call him, Dr. Vice Chancellor, after the break. Howdy, folks. Y'all come on out. Get out of those recliners and join us for the 2022 100 Miles for Hope Challenge. The third American Legion Fitness Challenge will raise money again for veterans and military families in need. We've made big improvements to the 2022 challenge. Monthly mini challenges with awesome prizes. Hey, department adjutants, department commanders, let's get some department versus department challenges and get it going. Let's go. This year, we've made it even easier to track your miles. We've made it even easier for friends and family to support you through donations to the Veterans and Children Foundation. My goal this year is to raise $450,000 for the Veterans and Children Foundation. But we need your help. Get active and help support veterans and military families. Visit legion.org backslash 100 miles to register and learn more. And let's show the nation that we are Veterans Strengthening America. And we are back with Dr. Mike Haney. 
I'm going to respectfully call him Dr. Vice Chancellor because you know why, because we just introduced him. Uh, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks for having me. And this will probably be the least academic thing you've ever done in your entire life, but we hope that it is at least fun. Uh, I'm Jeff, if you couldn't tell, and uh, my friend over there is Ashley Marie Gorbulja, which Thanks, uh, is, is tough You're to say. You're always so sweet. Always it's, so sweet with intros. You're just It's so tough nice. to say, but um, her name's complicated. Her personality is very simple. No, <laughs> I'll come through that. I'll come through the screen. I'm just, oh. just introduce yourself to the Dr. Vice Chancellor. Hi, I'm Ashley. Nice to meet you, Mike. <laughs> Great to meet you, Ashley. Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> Welcome. So as we typically do this, Ashley gets the first question. Uh, she's always cutting in line because I always want to start. And then she goes, yeah, but so why Ashley. Don't why why huh? don't you start? Why don't you start? No, no, no. You sure? Yeah. So I don't want to. You can't use this against me later because I offered. As you said before the show, no promises. All right, mm-hmm. Ashley, what's your first question? All right. So, Mike, you're incredibly impressive. I mean, from, you know, the the founding of the Syracuse University Institute of Veterans and Military Families, or IVMF, it's the nation's first interdisciplinary institute created to inform and advance policy, economic, and wellness concerns for American veterans and families. As a former, uh, someone who who has run a veteran program on a uh, community college campus and also at a university level who is a part of Student Veterans of America. I just graduated with my second master's. Congrats. Your school, thank you. Your school is the mammoth, like the giant in best practice for our transitioning uh, military and, and uh, veterans and uh, for military families in general. And I was hoping you could just lead off with, with telling us more about your work at Syracuse University and how this kind of got started and sure. just kind of give us the time lapse of that journey. Sure, I'll, I'll try to give you the short version of what, what's a pretty long story, yeah. But when I got out of the military myself, I was an Air Force officer when I got out. Uh, um, ironically, I came to Syracuse University as a, as a business school professor with no intention of having anything to do with veterans, the military. I just wanted to be a college professor. And, and I think when I got here, so this was all the way back in, in 2006, 2007, um, Candidly, I thought I made the biggest mistake in my life three weeks into uh, my, my first civilian job. And, and I realized over time what I was really sort of grieving for, if you will, is I, I missed the service part of the military. I missed, um, you know, being part of something bigger. And, you know, I had a small idea back in, back in 2007 to, you know, here I was a veteran and an entrepreneurship professor. And, um, you know, why don't we create a program to bring traumatically injured veterans and service members to the university and help them become small business owners? Uh, you know, that, that, was, that was what I could do. Um, you know, veterans have been over-indexed to business ownership in this country all the way back to World War II. You know, so here was an opportunity for me to, to stay connected to the only professional community I had known at the, to that point in my life. And so we launched a program called the Entrepreneurship Bootcamp for Veterans with Disabilities. And it was just going to be my, my thing, um, something that was meaningful to me. And, and that program had much, much greater impact, I think, than any of us thought. And one of those unexpected impacts was we had other universities from around the country 
take notice of what we did and reach out and say, can we be part of this too? So we expanded that program the next year initially to UCLA, Texas A&M and Florida State. And then the next year to Purdue and LSU and then to UConn and St. Joe's. And, uh, but, but for me, that was sort of an opportunity recognition moment, a little light bulb. And in higher ed, we tend to think about what we do the outcome ultimately being a degree. And here was an opportunity to sort of repurpose the intellectual capital in higher education to have an immediate impact on someone's life different from a degree, um, but, but essentially to um, provide a transition intervention, if you will. And that light bulb led to us then creating another program in partnership with the SBA for women veterans specifically called BYs Veteran Women Igniting the Spirit of Entrepreneurship. And all of this, uh, and this is the very condensed version, believe it or not, all of this uh, takes me to, to 2011. And I was at that point um, pretty dissatisfied with the extent to which higher education as a community was really meaningfully engaged in the social, economic, wellness concerns of veterans and their families. And, you know, on one hand, you had corporate America, I think, really stepping up and in a way that we hadn't seen since World War II, creating, you know, employment programs and coalitions of companies around sort of the veterans employment challenge. You didn't have the same thing in higher education. And, and particularly, I was really surprised to learn that nowhere in U.S. higher education did there exist an academic institute focused on veterans and military-connected families. Um, so I said, why not Syracuse University? And, and you know, we have this remarkable um, post-World War II history um, that, that really is unique in the United States. We were a school prior to World War II that was really a regional liberal arts college. We never had an enrollment more than about 4,000 students. And our, our World War II chancellor was a guy named Tully, and he was, he was tight with President Roosevelt, and, and he was actually part of the group that included the Legion, um, but also um, a group of university presidents from around the country that all got, that were challenged by President Roosevelt to say, you know, what do we do with 12 and a half million returning World War II veterans? And, and out of that came the original GI Bill, and what our World War II chancellor did was he wrote a one-page letter in military format. It said, you know, from Syracuse University to returning veterans, subject your future. And in that one-page letter, he invited admission to any returning World War II veteran that wanted to earn a college degree, even if you hadn't finished high school. And we went from an enrollment in 1944 of about 4,100 students to within two years, just over 17,000 students. And that entire Delta were returning World War II veterans. So my, you know, back to 2011, my pitch to the leadership here at the university was given this remarkable history, given the contemporary work we're doing um, related to these, these programs that we had launched, why not Syracuse University to create the first academic institute in higher ed focused on veterans and their families? Um, we needed a little help getting it off the ground because the way higher ed works is you can have a good idea, but if there's no money to fund it, um, <laughs> it doesn't get off the ground. And, you know, so we were fortunate. I, I, I would argue I didn't know any better. I was still pretty naive at the time. And I leveraged a relationship that our university had with JP Morgan Chase to get myself a 10 minute meeting 
with the chief operating officer, JP Morgan Chase. And I said, you know, you should help us create this institute. And, and JP Morgan Chase wrote um, a pretty remarkable check back in 2011 to help found the Institute for Veterans and Military Families. And, um, you know, since then, it's been uh, certainly an entrepreneurial journey. When we launched the Institute in 2011, there were, you know, the Institute was three of us and a student. Um, you know, to, and, and we were running programs for um, veterans and, and military family members that maybe serve six, 800 folks a year. Fast forward to today and, and the Institute um, is, is just over 100 full-time staff running programs on uh, 68 US military installations and, and military installations in eight countries overseas all around transition. Um, we'll probably put somewhere between 24 and 26,000 transitioning service members and veterans through that portfolio of programs that we run just this year. So it, it's, it's been uh, um, a, a pretty remarkable entrepreneurial journey and really has had such a positive impact on this university, changing really the culture around today's, you know, aside from our institute's work, um, today 6% of the enrolled student population at, at Syracuse University of, of the 25,000 students or so are military connected students, either student veterans, military kids using GI Bill here, or are active duty guard, active duty guard reserve military. And that is a sea change from what it was um, seven, eight years ago. So maybe I'll stop there. I think that's, we call that the, the Air Force version of a short briefing. <laughs> hey, I, I could have whipped out some PowerPoint slides. Then it would have been really an Air Force briefing, right? Well, we're going to come back to Ashley, but I have uh, we we have this thing we call rapid fire, and I'm just gonna I'm yep. gonna throw some stuff out at you. Okay. So uh, we just did a series on transitioning from yep. military to civilian, and there's a lot of people reimagining the tap. If yep. you were put in charge today of fixing tap, what would you do? Oh. That that is, I see you asked for rapid fire, and I can I can give you a, a soliloquy on on this. <laughs> I mean, you know that the reality is, um, I think one of the first things I would do is find a way to more purposely engage the private sector. You know, right now, um, you know, TAP is about creating a pathway to civilian employment or to or to higher education or business ownership. By the way, um, but but. The, the people actually doing the hiring, the people actually at colleges and universities who, who make education their life's work are largely shut out of TAP. And that has to do with, you know, ethics regulations and, and lawyers, you know, but the reality is you want someone teaching a TAP class who actually is representative of where you're going, right? And, and I think too often, um, and, it, and it's not it's not me taking a shot at the people that that are that are currently doing that training or it's not it's not meant to be that at all. But it is to suggest that, you know, when you have Fortune 500 companies that are begging at the door, let me in, let me be part of this um, this transition process and create a, a pipeline and a pathway to jobs and careers that I have available to service members, military spouses. Um, we have to find a, a way to crack that door open more meaningfully than it is now. I think that that's, that's the, the first answer, probably several I could give you, but uh, I'll stop there. Wow. That's the, 
That's a that's a very Jeff and Ashley version of uh, rapid fire sometimes because Holly will tell you we we tend to go on. All right. Yeah. The next thing I want to do is can you describe for us the deadly gap and what that is? Uh, well, I think, you know, at least the way I interpret uh, what that is, is, you know, one of the things we know from our research is that um, that the transition makes all the difference in the world and the extent to which there is a period of, of you know, sort of um, inactivity is the wrong word, but, you know, if, if you can, as you're making that transition, as you're, you know, if you think of, of somebody walking out the front gate of a, of a military installation, taking the uniform off, the extent to which there is a period of idleness, you know, a period of, you know, I'm still trying to, um, you know, put the resume together and, I, you know, the, the started the process of a job search or, you know, thinking about what I want to study, where I want to go to school. The longer that period of time is of, 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 of idleness, of, of, of um, you know, sort of taking a break, um, the more, there is a higher correlation down the road to all of those things that, um, you know, we, we sometimes see in the veterans community that, that are not positive, that, that are, you know, challenges related to family financial stability and, and you know, you know even, even things, outcomes related to homelessness and, and some of the suicide challenges that are, um, that, that manifest themselves in the veterans community. And, you know, that's, that's back to your last question about TAP. Um, you know, the, the extent to which that we really are focused on putting folks on a path before they take the uniform off makes all the difference in the world. Outstanding. Well, you already, you already answered my uh, third one, which is uh, your quote about getting transition right. Yeah. So uh, well, welcome to Rapid Fire and good job with that. <laughs> Ashley, you got, you got something else? Um, so... Let's see, let's see. We hit on that. We, so you know, we all, didn't, the, all the programs. All, all the things. All the things, all the programs, um, which I, I did participate in BYs and I participated oh, in Armored Opportunity. Where did you go to BYs? Which BYs did you go to? You remember the city? Yes, I went to Buffalo, it would have been 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was, that, was so. way, that was a ways back. I think we had the... Um, we had at the time she was our lieutenant governor. Now our governor, Kathy Hochul, I think came out and, and spoke to the, the VY's participants at that event. Yeah, it was, it was a great, great experience. Um, yeah. what would be your message to, to veterans, uh, military families who are, you know, pursuing their education, but also thinking about starting a business, like what kind of resources or, or tips would you want to bestow upon them and say, here's what you should know and here's how it could be helpful to you in your transition. Yeah, I, I think when I started, when I first started doing work in the veterans entrepreneurship space, business ownership space, there, candidly, there were not a lot of resources available um, to, and, and I'm talking about education, training, supportive services. Today, there are a ton. Um, that, you know, the veteran business ownership really has become, um, you know, much more mainstream than I think it was all the way back in, you know, in the, in the middle, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010, you know, that the advice would be take advantage of those resources, 
find those 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 uh, education resources. You know, starting a business um, is is very different than uh, pursuing traditional employment. You know, the I say all the time, the, the the worst thing that can happen, you know, to you in the context of traditional employment, you end up in a job you don't like, you quit and find another job. Um, but but with business ownership, it's a different thing. You're you're much more likely to be putting your own personal capital on the line to get a business off the ground. You know, um, the extent to which your risk profile is is enhanced is you know with business ownership um, is is pretty significant. And as a consequence of that, you want to make sure that going into that decision to you know, flip a switch and, and launch a business that you really position yourself to, to be successful. You know, you, you have the, the, the network that you need, um, you pursue the, the training that, that you need to really understand what it takes to launch a business. And, and sometimes the strategy is to start in the traditional world of work in a particular space that you're interested in ultimately launch. You know, I, I have college kids all the time that college kids love to you know, they want to open, they want to open coffee shops and breweries. Right. And the first thing I ask them is, have you ever worked in either of the, have you ever worked in a coffee shop? Do you understand, you ever worked in a, you know, in a, in a brew pub? Well, no, well, maybe you should do that first before you decide this is the business you want to launch. Um, okay. You know, and that, and that advice I think is generalizable to veterans too. I think Most of them have drank a lot of beer. <laughs> no. Yeah. The college kids have, have sampled a lot of both coffee and beer, but um, running running that enterprise is an entirely different thing. Absolutely, I, I agree. As a business owner, I, I get it. It's you get you got to start very humbly. You got to yeah. be willing to say, "I don't know what I'm doing," and to have that network. Network yeah. is super important, yeah. and I'm happy to know that you know um, that IBMF has resources for both the entrepreneurial spirit and for those that are pursuing you know, their degree in, in, in a non-traditional capacity. So yep. it's, it's good to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know you, you touched on some things, especially with that deadly gap that kind of go with what the Legion is talking about now with our be the one and in, uh, in, in minimizing uh, veteran suicide. Yeah. Uh, but in other way, in other ways that the our organization that you're a member of the Department of New York of, um, we, who we love the Department of New York. They they welcomed us on Veterans Day last year and it, it's really good, is good deeds, good stuff there. Um, so have you worked with the American Legion and what would you say to someone out in a post somewhere about if, if there's no Syracuse everywhere, what yeah. would you say to them to to get some of these benefits and yeah so so i would say you know um there's a, a few different ways i can answer that question one i want to tackle something you said just to so all the programs that we run here at syracuse are accessible and available to any veteran in the united states not okay. these are not uh uh programs for the institute we sort of describe the institute as as our um, national outreach uh, entity, meaning, you know, Ashley mentioned she she participated in our in our BWISE program, um, our Onward Opportunity program. That is our that's our credentialing and certification program. Um, you know that that offers fifty different learning tracks right now that all lead to a different civilian credential or certification. Um, 
all of those programs are available to any US veteran um, and can be accessible. Uh, we run a lot of like onward opportunity. We operated in person on, on 60 some military installations, but it's also accessible entirely online. So you don't have to be in Syracuse, New York or, or on one of those military installations to access any of these programs. I also, I also buried the, the headline a little bit. All of our programs are free. Um, so Wait, stop. We need to repeat that. Yeah. Um, all, so, so when we founded the Institute, you know, for me, it was very important that we, in, in terms of the programmatic work the Institute does, that we have no financial barrier to access to any veteran, uh, whether they can afford it or not is irrelevant to us. So our, the economic model, if you will, of our Institute is we rely on gifts and, and philanthropy and corporate partnerships to fund all the programs on behalf of veterans. So everything we do is free. Um, so there, there really isn't um, uh, a barrier to both access or affordability for, now it's a different thing if you wanna come you know, earn a degree at Syracuse University. Yeah, we do, you know, that, that's a different thing, but all the Institute's programs are entirely free. Um, you know, so, you know, as, as it relates to then the Legion, the Legion has been a great partner with us over many, many years, actually making our, the programmatic work we do um, known and available and accessible to transitioning service members and veterans. One of the unique challenges of working in this space is every year 200 plus thousand folks leave military service. So you have to continually, um, you know, it, it, it's like this constant information campaign that has to continue um, to make, you know, the, the, the new um, entrance to the veterans community, meaning those service members that are taking the uniform off and you have to um, make, make yourself known. If you, um, every year we do a big national study of, of veterans and, and military families. And, you know, it's fascinating to me every year when we ask questions about the challenges associated with transition, the, the number one thing we hear every year isn't, well, I can't find a job or I can't access this or that. The number one thing that we hear is that my biggest challenge is navigating all of the different services and resources that may be available to me. I don't know what they are. I don't know where they are. I don't know what I'm eligible for. Um, and I think we've, we've really, that, that's where the Legion has been a great partner to us because the, the Legion took the time to understand all the different programs that we offer, et cetera. But then, you know, as they're working with um, their members, folks getting out of the military, et cetera, we become a resource. Um, to the Legion, the Legion becomes a resource to us, right? Um, you know, I want as many folks as possible to be able to access what we do. The Legion wants to be able to support those, you know, those leaving service, its members. Um, but none of us can be all things to all people. And that's why I think, you know, if we think about, um, you know, I almost look at the veterans community as a supply chain, if you want to use a, a, a and we all have different we all sort of sit at different points in this supply chain, ultimately with the, the goal being, you know, to help a veteran realize whatever aspiration they have, whether it's a college degree or a job or a career. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the, the IBMF, the Institute here at Syracuse and, and the Legion are two key rungs, if you will, in that, in that supply chain that are mutually dependent. That, that's a, uh... 
And I, I, I do think our, our relationship with uh, members could be a, a big thing. Of, I'm just now thinking about how the, every post has a service officer, yeah. Um, yeah. that their purpose is the, on the post level is to you know, refer out, redirect yeah. traffic, they don't actually do any of the services because they have been trained in that. Uh, and I, I, I'm just now thinking about this because I think one of our avenues to growth uh, is personal development, is, is uh, pushing and offering that because uh, that's a lot of the, the faster growing ones that yeah. are small now are, are into doing things and, and and providing something because uh, we're out of the military now, but we so we need we need to function out of the military. Uh, yep. We still have we, we do really good at the uh, continued service as, aspect of it. We do really good at the camaraderie aspect of it. We do mm -hmm. really good uh, at kind of emulating that structure, uh, albeit way looser uh that we had in the military but we're not we're not doing as strong of work in uh, preparing people for existing in this this civilian world. i mean they exist but are they thriving and leading and innovating and 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 just being uh, the superheroes that we want them to be and sure. i think your uh, your program is not just a template, because a template would mean we would have to redo it. It's there to yeah. be used. Yeah. And for those who stayed to the end of class, they got to learn that they can they can access these things for free, <laughs> um, which is why you should always stay to the end of class, my friends. There's yeah. some things some things come up at the end. So I want to thank you for that information. Uh, I don't know, Ashley, do you want to go out with something? Something well, I just, dying to know. I, I just had a comment, um, oh. you know, as a, as someone who has been involved with Student Founders of America for a very long time, I know that is a really critical component and you have a very robust chapter yep. at IVMF. I know that you, you send students to go to their conference in January almost every year for the exception of everything happening with the pandemic the past few years. Um, and I just want to say kudos for providing those opportunities for student veterans. Um, yeah, as, as we are non-traditional, we, we have different needs and being able to meet like-minded folks from across the country who are in leadership capacity is so important. And I know uh, Jeff and I had an opportunity to be in Orlando this um, earlier this, this year, January, to, to meet some of those amazing students from both IVMF and from all over the country. Yeah, and yeah. You know, one of our biggest takeaways, and I know that I had an opportunity to do a presentation, was you know, utilizing the American Legion as a stepping stone, right? To, to your point, we've talked about resources. We've talked about that interwoven uh, partnership and how we can continue to utilize at our posts and our state in different levels to help student veterans, but also partnered with both SVA chapters and the university and college systems in our respected states. It's so important. And being able to see that model perpetuated through IBMF is so important. And I, I challenge all of our alphas out there, our American Legion members is to get in touch with their college and university and form those partnerships because 
we can create more opportunities and more pathways and even in a local approach for employment. Um, and, you know, that, again, this is more of a, of a comment, but as, you know, as, as a student veteran and really watching both from this many roles I've worn over the years, I've always looked up to IVMF and the work that you have been doing, Mike. Like I've known I've been following you on LinkedIn for a very long time, <laughs> like super nerd alert, but it's um, like the work that's being done there and what the American Legion can do to help veterans and their military families is endless. And I do believe that there is this natural stepping stone for continued service, yeah. both during it, like before, during and after your education. Yeah. And we never stop learning and being able to have that continued camaraderie, camaraderie and community is, is critical. And you've providing that at a key you know, pivot point for a lot of people for a lot of people who are unsure what tomorrow looks like. Yeah. And I always like to think that the American Legion is like, we're here for the long haul and, you know, we're willing to support and get people from A, B, all the way to Z. So it's nice to know that like we have folks like yourself who are trailblazing, who are veterans, who understand the name of the game and are willing to create the resources, the tools, and take the time to understand our community. So we have the American Legion. I just want to say thank you for your continued work, uh, for your team, everything that you've been able to accomplish. Um, but it's incredibly important that we recognize that and admire it, right? Yeah. Well, so. thank you very much for that. I appreciate yeah. it. You know, Ashley's I, trying to make the army rival the air force in a brief, <laughs> brief comment there. What? Well, never I, I, I appreciate that very much and you know we we talk about transition and we talk about you know my two favorite words related to transition or meaning and purpose that's what we have to give people is meaning and purpose and what you just described for me you know my meaning and purpose i know why i get out of bed every morning to come do this work and and you know so um i'm going to keep doing it and i encourage you Ashley, particularly what you said about connecting with colleges and universities. My, if I have one gripe or grudge, it's that not enough um, colleges and universities in this country have really embraced this mission in the way that they can and should. You know, so I'm I'm going to continue to to beat that drumbeat, and and you know, if it takes you know shame or you know some other form of coercion to get more institutions on board. Um, to see the benefit of opening their doors to veterans and military connected students. It's, it's, and my, my friend and you bring up SBA, Jared, the president, Jared Line, the president of, you know, so he came to SBA from me. He was an employee at the IBMF before he took on the leadership role at, at you know, so he and I talk about this all the time and it's a shared mission. So um, thanks for your passion. So I think, uh, we do have people out there on the fight. Our friend Bailey Steele is president of Santa Monica Post 123. He's been doing that work at Santa Monica College and is going to take it with him wherever he goes to university and spreading the word that way and getting uh, every student he's uh, in touch with in uh, getting them engaged. Now, don't tell him, Ashley, that we talked about him because I want to see if he stays till the end of class. Um, so thank you, Dr. Vice Chancellor, for your time here. It was uh, very informative for uh, everyone. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to jump in there. I know that all, I'm not gonna have you read, I see all the links here. 
Um, I'm not going to read them. They will be. It's funny. Bailey Steele's calling me right now on my phone. He just texted uh, me. That's so weird. That's so weird. Serendipity, so, Mike. Woo. Yeah. So it. she will have all of your links and everything available. And if you ever want to get something out, if you want to get something out to, you know, the dozens of listeners we have, <laughs> um, if you know, if you want to, if you want to engage the army of alphas out there that we have, let us know when whatever you have, and we will we will get it. We will get it. We will get the word out uh, because, like you said, you have the constant challenge of of getting that information out. Yeah. I didn't know what the IVMF was. I did take something at USC. It was on entrepreneurship and making a business plan. That I actually have a certificate that says oh, USC cool. on it. Yeah, yeah pretty happy about that. I still don't like them <laughs> in football. Go blue, Michigan. Um, so thanks again. It was That's great welcome. having you on here. And we'll, we probably should have you back at some point because you have so much to say. So Alphas, uh, the Dr. Vice Chancellor is going to go back to doing the good work that he does all over the world. I need you to sit tight, listen to the break, and come back so we can talk about him without him being here. It's going to be good fun, and we will see you after the break. Selfless service. The American Legion celebrates all who contribute to something larger than themselves. And inspires others to serve and strengthen America. We are veterans strengthening America. We are the American Legion. Ashley Marie Gorbulja. Yes. That was a man with a lot of education, probably reads at least as much as you do. If not um, more. You think he you is more, more published? Yeah. You think you're, huh? He's, he's, did you not read his whole bio? He's got like published stuff. He's got. Reading his bio is like reading a book. Accolades. Skip, I know it was reading a book, which is why I know you got halfway through it. Yeah. So what I, I mean. Thank you for thinking you got halfway. Because see, I'm giving you at least see half, half stars, half stars today. Half star, today. Careful <laughs> that mic dancing. Remember the microphone. So, what'd you think of? Uh, what'd you think of Dr. Vice Chancellor? I mean, Dr. Haney. Dr. Haney, um, very impressive. I've been following him for a while now, uh, and it's so nice to actually be able to have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation and, and just kind of hear from him. Uh, just I'm kind of geeking out. I mean, you know, my background, I mean, I'm like a chronic student. I'm, I'm starting to look at doctorate programs now. I just finished the second master's. I'm four degrees debt-free. I've worked at a college and a university. I was a work study, a student veterans of America, longtime member and alumni. Yeah, what did you think about what he said? But what he said, it resonates, everything he said resonates with me and like my whole like, like mission and purpose right? And it translates into my American Legion continued service model and, and desires, right? So everything that he said is just so important about transition and understanding resources and tools. Um, so yeah, I was kind of geeking out. All right, but I'm going to need you to reload. You know why? You know why? Oh, it's rapid fire time. Oh. You announced it for me, so I didn't have to. We have we have some good stuff today. Some of it's going to be rapid. Um, hopefully, most of it is. 
because we had a very long and well done interview and we got to get the people back to uh, talking about it because we do. We start conversations. All right. Rapid fire. Number one, troops making less than forty five thousand would get inflation bonus under House proposal. Service members and Defense Department civilians making less than forty five thousand annually would get a monthly inflation bonus in 2023 under House proposal released Tuesday. The proposed bonus of 2.4% was floated by Representative Jared Golden, Democrat Maine, as part of a proposed amendment to the $802 billion annual defense policy bill being hammered out by Congress. Uh, What do you you think of, of a targeted audience for a and inflation bonus. I think it's important that we look at uh, like equity, especially with the with the market currently as it is. Uh, typically, military pay is relatively lower than most. It's highly stressful, you know, jobs, and they're not paid as much or as well as people think. I think people kind of just think like, oh, generals, or you're a private, but like the pay gap is very different depending on how many years you've been in, um, that equates to your your benefits and a bunch of other stuff, right? So for service members who are making less than $45,000, comparable to, of course, wherever they're living, their adjusted um, basic housing, I think it's important that we take a look at that to ensure that there's there's equitable, um, there there aren't any large gaps, right? Yep. Like we wanna-, we wanna So what you're saying is these lower paid people, are more impacted by inflation than higher higher uh, paid people. Therefore, a little survivability bonus might be due. Now, rapid fire number pew pew two. Let's get rapider. Veterans fighting in Ukraine won't get wartime protections. Kremlin spokesman says. I want you to calm down. Let, let me read it before you explode. Okay. Okay. I know you're about to go. Go full on Ashley on this one. All right. Two Americans who fought for Ukraine before being captured by Russia will not be granted the protections afforded to prisoners of war by the Geneva Convention, the Kremlin's top spokesman said Monday. Alexander Drewecki and Andy Tyune were involved in firing and shelling of Russian troops and should be held responsible for the crimes they have committed. Dmitry Peskov, the Kremlin spokesman, (laughs) claimed in a Monday interview with NBC News, the Geneva Conventions protect prisoners of war from torture, summary summary execution, and prosecution for fighting in a war. But Peskov said the Americans are not the Ukrainian enemy and are not subject to Geneva Conventions. Responding to Peskov, the State Department said in a statement, we call on the Russian government as well as its proxies to live up to their international obligations and their treatment of any individual, including those captured fighting in Ukraine. I'm about to release, about to release the hounds. Ashley. That's a good Simpsons reference. X. I apologize for ins- in for distracting with Ashley's nerddom. I'm going to try it again <laughs> with drama. I am now releasing the hounds. They can't mm. see you. I know they can't see me. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Should Geneva Convention apply to these 
young fellows? Yeah, they should. All right. So yes, they should. Now I will say, I will say, uh, the Russians kind of warned of this. So um, if you if you're not really into being tortured, summarily executed, or prosecuted for fighting in a war, uh, consider that before you before you go over there. Um, but you're not going to stop you're not going to stop a veteran from doing what they think is right. So they're probably going to go over there. Um, the Geneva Convention should clearly be should clearly be enforced, and if they do anything outside of it to uh, American citizens, because they're not service people right now, they're citizens, um, then we should we should add that to their war crimes list. There, I'm just I think that's I think that's the case, and uh, I I would have this Peskov joker from the kremlin on the show and we could tell him about it we could tell him about it to his face because i think it's uh i'd love to hear him justifying torture just because he doesn't have the geneva convention making him not torture people so that's that's my take on that we i knew we were going to go a little long so i didn't do a rapid fire pew 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 three um so we're going to go right into ashley Okie dokie, Oakley dokley. We'll get another Simpsons reference in there. All right. Again, I apologize for awakening the nerd. Okay. Anyway, so <laughs> don't forget to subscribe to the Tango Alpha Lima podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Please leave us a review and give us a big old five star ratings. No half star ratings, folks. Please. No, no, no. All five stars all day. So the world knows how much you love us. And if you have a guest recommendation, please go to legion.org backslash Tangle Alpha Lima and click on the suggest a guest link. We would love to hear from you, the veteran military community, and everyone else. Why not? More the merrier. Let's we do care, it. You know who we care most about? It's Yourself. the alphas. Alphas, I'm going to need you. Again, I'm going to call you to arms. I want you. Why is she saying leather? Why would you... Oh, you want she wants she has leather written at the top. Join the Alpha Army. Join the Alpha Army. Join the Alpha Corps. <laughs> we're working Ooh. on it. You could do. We're thinking of little taglines out there, ladies and gentlemen. We could have the Alpha Army, the Alpha Corps, the Alpha Force, which would work for two of them, the Alpha Guard, which would work for one more, and a, a Alpha Navy. I'm gonna come up with some. I'm gonna come up with something else. Uh, that I'll, somebody come up with something for the Navy that's quick and catchy and send it to us. Uh, but Alphas, your main job is spread the word about the Tango Alpha Lima experience. It is more fun the more people that are in the experience. I can tell you that from being here from day one when I when I broadcast from my bedroom. Well, there were very few <laughs> alphas, and now they are now they are numerous. They are excited, and they spot people like Ashley and and run up and take pictures and then post on YouTube. And it's are true. still waiting for Ashley to return their message. I am so Just, sorry, Cindy. I gotta do it. I'm so sorry. I'm so bad on social media right now. 
Yeah, but she's going to get to it because I scolded her earlier and I just called her out here. So now she's going to respond to you on the YouTubes. And so Alphas, (laughs) thank you so much. And with that, I'm going to declare, I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Holly hates this. It's episode three. It's uh, season three, episode 115. And we are mission complete.